Welcome back, everyone. Huddle Up Podcast. This is the Five Observations with Big Jim. I am your host, Big Jim. You can uh, hear me and my team of uh, co-hosts, EJ, Kyle, and Matt, this uh, Tuesday and every Tuesday throughout the football season on the Huddle Up Podcast live on our Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube pages. Uh, Make sure you follow us at uh, Huddle Up Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and on YouTube. Certainly would appreciate the support, and for those who have been supporting us throughout the season, uh, we certainly do appreciate that. If you missed um, the uh, the first and one with EJ that dropped on the podcast feed last week, make sure you go back and check that out. If you are an NBA fan, uh, if you are an NHL fan, you can look for the weekly Five for Fighting with Mike Bernier that drops on this feed as well, uh, and of course, my five observations. Um we may be adding some baseball content as we work uh, through the uh, through the winter months and get start getting ready for baseball season. That'll be determined at a later date, so make sure you uh, are subscribed to the podcast feed so you never miss anything. If you do subscribe on services that you can rate and review the show, like Spotify, like Apple Podcasts, please, please um, consider doing that. That will help our show grow and uh, and and spread the word of the show. That's going to help us grow as well, get as many people in here on a uh, weekly basis interacting with the show, and I certainly do appreciate that. Uh, and lastly, uh, before I get to my five observations, is uh, we do have merchandise over at Tee Public, over 40 different designs, uh, so you can get that. We have uh, some uh, NHL-themed merchandise some uh, merchandise based on college and NFL uh, football teams, uh, as well as um, you can get a your Huddle Up team Huddle Up uh, uh, shirts uh, with each member of the Huddle Up team uh, and uh, and their n- uh, name and number on the back. So uh, make sure you check all of that stuff out. Uh, it, probably too late for Christmas at this point, um, but uh, everybody loves a, a belated Christmas gift, so make sure you check that out. Again, tpublic.com. You can find the link tree on all of our social media at Huddle Up Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. So we appreciate that. All right, my first observation this week is uh, is Alexander Ovechkin, the uh, forward uh, left wing for the Washington Capitals, uh, who uh, in this past week uh, uh, hit uh, 800 goals in his career, third most all-time, third player in NHL history, to uh, to hit the 800 goal mark, and you know I got to thinking about like first off how you know I'm I'm 37 years old, and I have seen in in, in every sport that I'm a fan of I've seen generational players come into the league, play their career, and and retire and. You know, I think of like in, in the in the NFL. I think of uh, you know like Barry Sanders. Obviously, he retired early. Emmitt Smith. Um, you know, uh, Joe Montana. I obviously didn't see the start of his career, but I saw towards the end. Um, you know, uh, Peyton Manning. Uh, now we're seeing the 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 tail end of Tom Brady's career. I I, I kind of gave some thoughts on that on last week's uh, five observations. Um. But man, and, and hockey is no different. But but like this generation, the 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 my really kind of my generation, and they're nearing probably nearing retirement. Um, you know, and you have the Ovechkins and Crosbys and uh, Drews and 
there's some other ones. Um, but really, like as I, as I think about it, and it's not just because I'm a Washington Capitals fan, but like Alexander Ovechkin is really kind of the most special, the most unique of the this generation's group of of players, and how um, you know I've talked about him on on the show before, uh, how like blessed and and like how how great it's been to watch the career of Alexander Ovechkin, um, and. Like I like I like I really do mean that. Like it has been unbelievable watching him go from uh, drafted to his early part of his career when he's just like this shot out of a cannon, scoring, hitting, speed guy, um, to like this grizzled uh, late thirties superstar that's still scoring, um, you know, forty fifty goals a season and and is threatening. What at one point seemed uh, to be an unattainable goal, and that's Wayne Gretzky's uh, 894 career goals. Um, you know, and so it's just it has just been unbelievable to watch him. I mean, look, this isn't a. I'm not going to sit here and bash Sidney Crosby. Sidney Crosby is, uh, as much as I am, am not a fan of his team or his antics or the way I think he is treated um, differently by by the NHL and and. Uh, the the NHL discipline. Um, Sidney Crosby is one of the best players to ever play in the National Hockey League. That, that from a talent standpoint, that is undeniable. Um, but like for Ovechkin, it's his durability. It's the way he plays the game. He doesn't play like people in in the current uh, crop and current generation of, of of hockey players. He plays with speed. He plays uh, with with like a like a bulldozer. Um, which is so different from from the league now. I mean, how many times have you seen Sidney Crosby full body check a guy in into the into the uh, their bench? Alexander Ovechkin did that to a guy yesterday. Uh, and for reference, I'm recording this on Sunday, uh, December the 18th. Um, so he's just he is he is different. He is special, and um, you know, like I was thinking about, like it like. These generational players, and not just like the the ones that are like the most special, but like when I when I think about the the players that uh, like I've seen come into the league, be be the best at what they do. Like Alexander Ovechkin's the best goal scorer ever to play in the National Hockey League. Wayne Gretzky's already said it, whether he breaks the record or not. Um, so I'll trust Wayne. Wayne knows what he's talking about. Um, but to to watch. Like these generational players to do the best or be the best at what they do. Tom Brady in the NFL, LeBron James. However you feel about him, LeBron James uh, is at the very least the best in this generation. Um, and I was thinking about Major League Baseball, and I reach out to my friend Jason, and I'm like, "Man, like who who is this guy in in this generation in this crop of of Major League Baseball?" Um, and and you know he said Albert Pujols, who just retired this year. Um, so I'm going to go, I'm going to lean with Jason on that one and say Albert Pujols, but, um, there's, there's been, there's been multiple great players to come through. Like Ichiro was one. He was very special and unique in his own way. Um, you know, A-Rod Jeter, but that, that kind of, uh, is, is not in like the current active generation. So, uh, I, I will, I will go with, uh, with the Pujols there and really like, man, we are so lucky as, as sports fans because, um, to be able to watch in any sport, whatever sports your favorite, whatever sports uh, you enjoy as a fan, to be able to watch the talent level 
um, in these leagues is just uh, is just unbelievable. Uh, my second observation this week, and and this was a discussion, and and I I should have wrote, wrote who I was having the discussion with on uh, on Twitter uh, at Huddle Up Podcast, but they were talking about how the NFC South is is abysmal, how uh, especially as of now, Tampa Bay six and eight is leading the division and would host a playoff game, um, and they were they were commenting on the fact that like. The is it fair that somebody is uh, going to have a winning record and be held out of the playoffs? And um, how like the Bucks should, nobody should be allowed in the playoffs uh, with a um, with a losing record. To which I comment and look, I, I understand what they're saying, and I and I, I have thought this at times as well. However, what's the point of having divisions if? If if winning a division doesn't mean anything, so my my observation here is 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 it time for the NFL to consider? I'm not saying do it, but is it time for them to consider to discuss to humor the thought of dissolving the division system in the National Football League, not the conference system? You'd still have the NFC AFC, but instead of four division winners and currently. Because obviously anything can change in the World Wrestling Federation. Excuse me. Anything can change in the National Football League. Um, is it time for them to consider the idea of dissolving the play, uh, the division system? So if you would do that, you would have 16 teams in the, in the AFC, 16 teams in the NFC, and the top seven, record-wise, in each, would would go to the the playoffs. Playoffs, easy, Jim Mora. Yes, the top seven in each would go to the playoffs. Um, like here's the deal. Like, do I think it should be that way? No. Um, I like the division system. I think it creates rivalries that um are fun to watch as as fans to watch the teams but to participate in as fans. You know, I live in Central PA. I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, more on that later. Um but being in this area as a Cowboys fan has always been fun for me. Maybe it's like the I'm a fan of a bad guy wrestler thing and and that's kind of how I am here because I'm surrounded by Eagles fans and uh Red Tail fan Commander fans, shout out student of the game, Kyle Nash. Um, Red Tail, uh, there I did it again. Commanders fans, Washington, the, the football team formerly known as the football team. Uh, and Giants fans, obviously. Steelers fans as well, Ravens fans, uh, and some others. But like the, my division rival fans are Giants, Washington, Philly. Like... Everybody's always going to hate Dallas, right? Like, like Dallas is the Yankees, the Notre Dame, the Lakers of the NFL. So, no matter if the NFL dissolves the division system or not, the, the people are going to hate my Cowboys. Who am I supposed to hate? Except for the regional teams that I already hate. But who am I supposed to hate if they dissolve the division system? Like, am I just supposed to hate the Cardinals because... They might be one position above the Cowboys this season. Yeah. 
Maybe I'll just continue to be a self-loathing Cowboys fan. I hate myself and I hate the Dallas Cowboys. More on that later. Um, it's because here's the deal: you can't you can't have a division system if there's not incentive to win it. So you can't have a division system and just not and not send the division winner to the postseason because they stink. And I'm looking at you, NFC South, because the winner of your division is going to stink. And you'll probably beat the Dallas Cowboys, but more on that later. Like, the the, the winner of the South currently is the Tampa, or the leader, not the winner, the leader of the NFC South with we 16, 17, and 18 to go is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They are 6 and 8. They need to win out to have a winning record. Okay? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, let me pull up their schedule here real quick. The Tampa Tampa Bay Buccaneers close at Arizona, home against Carolina and at Atlanta. Those are three winnable games. Um the couple weeks ago they lost to the Browns. A couple weeks before that they lost to the Ravens, Panthers, Steelers. They've also lost to the Packers. These games aren't locks. Okay, like these 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 games that the Bucks have left are not locks. Now, they are probably going to win the division. The only team that's going to catch them, otherwise, would be the Panthers. Panthers already have nine losses. Okay, so unless the Buccaneers win out, the winner of the South is going to host a playoff game as a sub five hundred team. This has happened before. And it will happen again, undoubtedly. So does that mean, is that the reason why the NFL should dissolve the division system? I don't think it means that. However, if this continues to happen, because what, it happened for the first time 10, 15 years ago? When was that Saints... Seahawks. I don't know offhand. I'm not looking it up. I'll be honest. You can Google it. Google.com. You're welcome, EJ. But it's happened multiple times since then, and it will continue to happen, especially as the playoff field gets bigger and bigger, right? And as the competition, the parity in the NFL continues to grow. We see it every year. Uh, Today, for example, you know, the Jaguars beat the Cowboys. More on that later. Um, the Texans almost beat the Kansas City Chiefs. The Colts blew the biggest lead in NFL history yesterday against the Vikings. So these bad teams are competing with the the best or the teams near the top of their of the conferences and on both sides. So it's going to continue to happen that undoubtedly that some of these divisions are going to end up in the playoffs with a losing record. That is a fact. If it continues to happen, and it continues to happen at an accelerated rate, then I think is that when the NFL should begin to consider the idea of getting rid of divisions, just doing top seven on each side. I don't know how that affects how the schedules are made and all of that. That's above my pay grade. I don't work for the NFL. They can call me. They can tweet me. They can get at me if they want to. I will cut, I, you know, you want to pay me enough NFL, I'll help you figure it out. But I'm just kidding. I am, I'm thrilled with my job. I don't want to work for Roger Goodell. 
Um, but if it continue, like I said, if it continues to happen and it happens more frequently, then I think you begin to explore the idea of changing it. You don't just jump. You don't, because I don't think you can put the toothpaste back in the tube there. If you do this, I think it's a permanent measure where there has to be other changes. But consider the idea if this continues to be a problem. That's all I'm saying. My third observation this week, and it's something I tweeted out Friday, yesterday, something like that. I can't remember which one. Um, but any team in the NFL this year that is going to make the playoffs can win it all or at least go deep in the playoffs. Now, before you send the angry tweets at me at Huddle Up Podcast or at Big Jim Sports, this is not me saying that the Philadelphia Eagles are not the best team in the NFC, that the Chiefs, Bills, Bengals are not the best team in the AFC, okay? That's not what I'm saying. Hey, this isn't me saying that there are teams or a team or teams that are better than in the NFC, San Francisco and Philly. In the AFC, Cincinnati, Buffalo, Kansas City. That is not what I'm saying. Okay? And if I had to make the choice today, if you if you were telling me who are the teams that are going to be playing in the AFC and NFC title games. To me, sitting here today, right now, again, Sunday night, 10.30, December the 18th. The best team in the NFC and the NFL is the Philadelphia Eagles. Pardon me while I go throw up. The second best team in the NFC is San Francisco 49ers. And then there's everybody else. The best team in the AFC It's a little cloudy, but I'll give the edge to Kansas City. Okay? The second best team in the AFC. Again, it's cloudy, but I'm going to edge to Buffalo. The third best team, and again, super close, Cincinnati Bengals. And then there's everybody else. But my point here, and the, the point behind it, is every team is a beatable every team has flaw or flaws that can be exploited every team is imperfect that there is a window of opportunity for another team to make their mark and another team could potentially make that run and steal a spot Okay, the Eagles, they won. And and good slash great teams win the close games. But the Eagles had a fight with Chicago today. The Chiefs went to overtime with Houston today. Minnesota almost lost to Indy yesterday. The Bills struggled to put away a crumbling Miami team yesterday. The Bengals started off in the first half today 
looking like they didn't belong on the field with those six and eight Buccaneers I just talked about. Okay? So these teams at the top have potential flaws. The 49ers, and I understand that they, the quarterback is not where the the team wins and loses games through, but their quarterback for the remainder of this year is going to be Brock Purdy. A rookie is going to be leading them towards the promised land. There's potential for fall in all of those teams. Again, not saying they they will, okay? Because the clear top teams, like I said, three in the AFC, Cincinnati, Kansas City, Buffalo, and in the NFC, there's Philly and San Francisco. Honestly, the only team, based on what I've seen the last couple weeks, the only team that I see potentially stealing a spot today in the NFC, and I guess this is going out, you know, this is uh, this is going back to the, the, the preseason predictions, and this is going out on a huge limb, but the team that's playing better than anybody except the two top teams in the NFC is the Detroit Lions. Do I think the Lions would beat the Eagles today? I think it'd be close. The Lions aren't turning the football over, and they're forcing turnovers on the other side. That's a that's an equalizer. Do I think they would beat the Eagles today? Probably not. Would they beat the Niners today? Probably not. But it'd be, the games would be closer than you think. I I don't I don't have faith in Dallas. More on that later. The Vikings, the Bucks, Washington, New York, Seattle. Do I have faith in them today to beat the Eagles or the or the 49ers? I don't. Not a ton. But if those teams get themselves right, okay, at least Dallas or Minnesota, they have potential there. If they can fix the mistakes. And if they catch Philly or San Francisco on a bad week. In the AFC, you know, I think Miami could make a run. Like I, I think the the AFC, the the the, the top, both sides, the top is they are top heavy, and the the top teams seem like the favorite, and should be the favorite, and should be considered that way. But if Miami figures out how to stop the implosion, there's potential there. The Jaguars are scoring a ton right now. They got to probably tighten things up on defense a little bit. But that they're one of the hottest teams in the NFL right now. That you you catch Buffalo on a week where they don't want to put a game away, there's trouble. Like there's there's potential there. Again, I'm not saying. So don't and eh, well, you know what? F it. If you want to tweet at me and you want to you want to tell me and try and come at me on this, I'm not again, I'm not saying that the Eagles aren't going to the Super Bowl. That the 49ers aren't going to be in the NFC title game. That, you know, it's going to be uh, anybody but Cincinnati, uh, Kansas City, or Buffalo playing in the in the AFC title game. Weird things happen, though. 
That's all I'm saying. The potential is there. My fourth observation this week is replay in the NFL is broken. Um, This isn't a reaction to what happened in the Raiders-Patriots game today, but this is also a reaction to what happened in the Raiders-Patriots game today. I thought the replay system in the NFL has been broken for a while. Uh, I've thought numerous times, even before Dez caught it, didn't catch it, um, that there's problems with the replay system. That we have all this, all this technology, all this tremendous technology, and you have quote-unquote expert referees and officiating experts and people sitting there with the rule book and analyzing 15, 16, 17 different camera angles. That somebody's got the damn Zapruder film and we're looking at it and analyzing it frame by frame, zoomed in, all of that, and we can't still get the calls right. The Raiders got gifted a touchdown today by a guy whose foot was two, three inches out of bounds. And we're sitting there saying that we can't get a better angle than the one that's in the rafters of Allegiant Stadium looking down and getting this grainy footage of the guy's foot. The reason it look, didn't look clear is because the guy has a white cleat on and he's standing on the white sideline. Everybody's sitting there looking at it going, his foot's out of bounds, his foot's out of bounds. Analysts on TV, his foot looks pretty, I'm, I'm sure his foot's out of bounds. They come back, no clear evidence. In the post game. no clear evidence. The evidence is there. And if the evidence isn't there, then how do we take the, the technology that we have? Cell phones can apparently can take better camera views and, and clearer picture than what that camera did today. The NFL is a billion-dollar operation. And you can't get a better camera angle to determine. But look, that's not the reason the Patriots lost today. Patriots lost today because they they stink. They stank. They stunk. You're a mean one, Mr. Belichick. But the bottom line is, and then, dear God, whatever that last play was that the the Patriots did, kudos to their players, by the way, for for taking responsibility um, from each other and not, not dodging questions, looking at you, Robert Sala, um, and, and not, you know, passing the blame onto other people. Um, so I give the Patriots players credit there, but what the hell were you doing on that last play? So that's not the, the, the replay isn't the reason that the Patriots lost it certainly didn't help because if that gets overturned, the Raiders, I believe have a fourth down play. They could have gotten a first down. They could have gotten a touchdown. So you can't guarantee what would have happened, but I do know if replay would have gotten it right. The guy stepping out of bounds on a catch wouldn't have been ruled a touchdown. That's where my problem lies. Everybody wants to rely on replay. Okay? Everybody wants to rely on replay. Replay will fix it. Replay will solve it. Don't worry about it. Let things play out. Let replay will figure it out. How can replay figure it out if they, if, if they, if they can't come to an agreement? If you can't look at what's clearly in front of you and make the make the correct call, how can you make how can replay fix everything if you can't get a better camera view of the sideline and the back lines of the of the end zones? 
Figure it out, man. How much? Like they have technology, wearable technology in their rings and bracelets and and parts of their jersey that can tell you the NFL uh, next gen stats. Have you ever have you ever watched those things on Twitter, on social media? And you can see how fast a guy's moving and and what angle he cuts a, a route on. But we can't get a better camera angle to determine a touchdown or not. The NHL, the guys wear chips in their jerseys to tell you how fast they, they skate and how many seconds they've been on the ice. But the NFL can't get a better camera angle to tell that a guy's foot is clearly out of bounds to overturn a touchdown that shouldn't have been a touchdown. Man, bro- that's a broken system, and the league needs to figure it out. Um, My fifth observation. And if you know me, uh, I have defended Dak Prescott for many seasons. Uh, I've gotten frustrated with him in games and in situations. Um, but a lot of people have tried to tell me that he's not the guy. That he's not going to be the guy. That he's never going to be good enough to be the guy to lead the Cowboys back to where they need to be or want to be. And that's a Super Bowl champion. And I've said, look, the guy, he's unbelievably talented. He was a fourth-round pick, and look what he's doing. This season has broke me when it comes to Dak Prescott. So, and I already had a a discussion with my friend Jason today because he's been one of the guys that's for years been telling me Dak ain't the guy. My wife has been telling me Dak ain't the guy, and I have fought it every time. I'm done, Okay. Look, he's the best the thing that the Cowboys have right now. This isn't me saying put in Riptide Rush for God's sakes. That's not what I'm doing. Dak Prescott is the Cowboys' best option. That's the truth. That's the unfortunate truth. But that's the truth. Um, once again today, three interceptions today, including a pick six. I tweeted before the play. Let me find the exact tweet. I'll find it right now. Give me a second. But I'm sitting there. The Cowboys get the ball in overtime. And I just knew. I just knew what was going to happen. 4.15 p.m. today. Stack's going to throw a pick six on this drive, right? That's 100% going to happen. The very next play. Bad throw. Even worse attempt of a catch by Brown. In the hands of a Jags defender. Game over. Like, I'm done. I'm done. Since he's come back from injury... I think he's regressed as a runner. He's regressed as a decision maker. And he's regressed as a passer. Coming back from the ankle injury, he's also had shoulder stuff. Dax Cook to me. He's done. He's never going to be that guy. And, and the, there's there's two types of games that Dak Prescott plays. There's one, like we saw last week, against Houston, 
where he plays poorly for three and a half plus quarters. And then he decides, well, I'm going to get good and we're going to try and come back and win this. And sometimes they don't. Look at the Rams playoff game a couple years ago. And then sometimes you do. 98-yard game-winning touchdown drive last week. And then there's games like today where he plays a, a, a almost flawless first half. Smart decisions, dumping the play off when he needs to, handing the ball off here, running when he's got to, get rid of the ball when, when there's no other option. Then you're up 27 to 10. All looks right with the world. And then Dak throws a pick. And then Dak makes another mistake. And then Dak makes another mistake. All of a sudden, you're coming from behind again. And then, cool, we get a tie. Fine, we're going to overtime. All is right in overtime, right? And then the Jags hit the ball. Well, son of a bitch. Well, and then the, the Jags punt. Here we go. Here we go, number four under center. $160 million man. Here we go. Going to lead him down. Huge matchup against Philly next week. Christmas Day. Excuse me. Christmas Eve night. Christmas Eve afternoon. Uh, and then pick six, game over. Next week basically becomes useless. Uh, I get Philly has not clinched the division. It's only a matter of time. Okay? Because you got to beat Philly next week. You got to hope what they lose out. What It's not going to freaking happen. Congratulations on your division championship, Philly. Dallas is going to get the fifth seed. Then what? Then what? So now, right now, you're going to go to Tampa. That, that's a game you you shouldn't lose, right? I don't have faith. I don't have faith in Dak Prescott, Mike Mike McCarthy, Kellen Moore. Are you kidding? Right now, n- not at all. I'm done. And I saw somebody I saw somebody tweet that when they look at Dak Prescott, they see Tony Romo. And I went, You're out of your mind. Look, you can debate if you th- if you think that Tony Romo is not the best quarterback ever to play for the Cowboys, you can debate that if you want. I get it. He won, what, two playoff games? Troy Aikman has three Super Bowls. Stahlbach has two. Don't you ever truly compare Tony Romo to Dak Prescott. Tony Romo was great despite the teams he was on. Dak Prescott is average and slightly better than average. On great teams. On great rosters. I get it, They've had a slew of dumb idiot coaches. And probably even dumber offensive coordinators. But Dak Prescott, especially post-injury, has regressed. He is not the same guy. Tony Romo continued to somehow defy the fact that he had no back left. And was still doing unbelievable despite having a bad offensive line at times. A horrendous defense all the time. And the guy's argument was, 
Well, how many how many times did Romo throw a, a interception that cost him the game? And when they bring that up, all I can think about is that what was it, uh, fifty nine to fifty six game against the Broncos? I'm sorry, were his five touchdown passes not good enough? But because the defense gave up six to Peyton Manning. Rome, Rome, yes, I understand Tony Romo threw an interception when they're trying to go down the field with less than a, two minutes to go. They should have never been in this. But when you, when you score 50 points, you shouldn't be in a position to have to win the game with a minute left. Don't To me, Tony Romo is the best quarterback to ever play for the Cowboys. Like I said, you can make the Aikman argument. Don't ever make the Romo and a, a, a Dak are the same guy argument. Because that's bull crap. But I have no faith left in this Dallas Cowboys team. And it goes to be, and, and, and it's like, this is my uh, what uh, uh, bonus observation. Connected to observation five. Because it goes beyond Dak. This isn't just a Dak problem. This is a coaching problem. This is a leadership problem. It's a discipline discipline problem. Look, if you're up 17 points almost halfway through the third quarter, you shouldn't lose that game. Everybody throwing around the elite word when talking about the Dallas Cowboys defense. Where did that elite defense go? Huh? They weren't elite. They were playing really well. They're not anymore. Kellen Moore is an idiot. Whoever whoever had the the uh, thought to do that long pass play on the third down after you forced the, the Trevor Lawrence fumble, I don't know if that was McCarthy or Moore, but both of them should be fired for it. And they need a GM. Uh, my, closing, my closing on this and closing for the pod is I said these are the four things um, in the aftermath of of the collapse that was to the Dallas Cowboys today. Um, I said that the four things that need to happen, fire McCarthy, fire Kellen Moore, move on from Dak Prescott, and get an actual general manager. Until all, not one, not two, not three, but all four of those things happen. I don't expect anything different from the Dallas Cowboys from here on out. If it if it wasn't for how I view sports fandom, like I would love I would love nothing more. And this is this is angry Jim talking. So EJ, you're gonna love this. Like I would love nothing more than to just be like, you know what? I'm a football fan. But that's not me, man. Like, the the joy that I felt when the Washington Capitals finally won the Stanley Cup is the reason why I don't abandon my teams. Because when the Capitals won the Stanley Cup, it made all of the shit seasons worth it. Do I think I'm ever going to see the Cowboys win a Super Bowl sitting here tonight? Again, December the 18th, 2022. I do not. But I'm not going to abandon my team and then have to be on the outside looking in if they ever do.
Same with Notre Dame. Same with the Baltimore Orioles. I'll never abandon the Capitals again. 2018 made the shit seasons worth it. And as much as I hate the Dallas Cowboys, I still love the Dallas Cowboys. That's where I'm going to close up the five observations this week. Again, we are live Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, at Huddle Up Podcast. Uh, Make sure you check out Huddle Up Live. It's a Christmas episode. What does that mean? Probably nothing different than every other week, but hey, we're going to have a Christmas graphic. So uh, come join us. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to the show. Make sure you check out our T Public page. Uh, if you enjoy the show, if any of the content on the Huddle Up podcast feed, please share it with somebody that you think might enjoy it as well. We'd certainly appreciate getting uh, as much support each and every week as possible. We appreciate you, um, and uh, we hope to talk to you Tuesday. If not, we hope you have a great uh, Christmas holiday, and uh, I will talk to you for the five observations next week, but we'll talk to you all uh, Tuesday night. For Huddle Up Podcast Live. Until then, stay safe, stay smart, and go for the win. Mm-hmm.